Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Mayfair Theater Podcast. This is a special edition. It's Mayfair Theater on the Road. It's our first experiment at trying out something like this, but I want to try to do stuff like this more, bring in guests, talk to local filmmakers. We did one recently where we talked to our friends across the street at House of Targ, which is the greatest pinball arcade club in the world. So this week I'm out east doing a little East Coast tour. I was at East Coast Comic Expo last week selling my wares, selling my Zombies comics. Then visiting family in Halifax this week. And if you're listening to this right away, I'll probably put this up on Thursday. I'm at Strange Adventures on Saturday, May 27th, just to do a little visit and signing and try to sell some more Zomkies comics. And I'm joined today by two of my East Coast geek friends, Dave and Lauren. Hello. Hello. Dave, I know from, I guess just from comic book world. I think maybe I met first at Strange Adventures when I did a signing a couple years ago. Yeah, or possibly Lauren introduced us. I don't know. Oh, God, yeah, maybe. I kind of feel like it might be that, actually. Yeah. I am the great uniter. Yes. And Dave has a podcast called Living Between Wednesdays, which is... How deep are you into that show now? Episode 94 went up today. Man. Yeah, we've Congratulations. Only missed, thank you. We've only missed a couple of weeks. Like, it's pretty much every Wednesday without fail. Gotta hit that hundo soon. I know. We've been talking about what we're going to do for the big hundred mark, and we don't know yet. So We soon. hit our hundred and completely forgot. <laughs> and then, like, the week later, we're like, hey, last week was our hundredth episode. Good job continuing to do the thing. Yeah. And say, we've, we've been pretty good about hitting routine and doing it once a week. And that's the effort. Anytime... Like big podcasts, you know, like like The Nerdist. And I know people will complain, why isn't Joan on the show? Why isn't Matt on the show? It's like, well, Joan is off doing Mystery Science Theater and Matt's off writing for a sitcom now. And it's just, you know, it's herding cats getting people together to do a podcast, even in your hometown. And back at home at the Mayfair, it's like myself, one of my partners, Lee, well, one of the managers, Andrew, are kind of the three main ones. And then other folks will kind of come and go. But that's that's the hardest part of any week of just saying, when can the three of us get together at the theater? And so this week I was like, well, I'll bring the stuff with me and chat with a couple of you guys out here. Get some substitute homies. Yeah. And Lauren had asked before we recorded her last week, did she need to do homework? And I was like, no, not really, because we can just talk about stuff. Our homework has been our entire lives up to this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But what I did want to chat about, because I know just from busing through town, I'm pretty sure we passed what is now Global TV, which looked like a movie theater. It it had a marquee. Mm -hmm. And I could be wrong, but I don't think there is a a pure rep house movie theater in town anymore. Not really. You can. I have an old blog post that I did on movie theaters of Halifax. There used to be a bunch. Barrington Street, Cottage Street. There's a bunch of different theaters there. Carbonark is going uh, almost year-round, uh, which is out of the Museum of Natural History in Halifax that I think is best described as an independent cinema. It shows lots of different titles, but it is in a space that's not their own. Uh, right. They rent uh, the Museum of Natural History Amphitheater, which works really nicely. There's also a couple other movie nights, I think, in town now that are kind of doing the same thing. But no, I don't think there's really one place yeah. you know, in town. And I think that would work like well out here. Because it seems that Halifax has a pretty good art scene and independent movies are shot out here and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Not like they used to be. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Still sort of, but not at the rate they were. That's funny you mention that because we just got through playing Maudie for about a month. God, maybe five weeks? Four or five weeks. And it was like R.E.T. Like it was nuts. And we have the bit of a reputation of of a grindhouse cinema 
but it's those type of movies that people come to. Mm-hmm. And there was a number of days where our capacity is 325, and it was like a couple hundred people, 300 people, a couple hundred people. And they just kept coming to this movie. And, you know, meanwhile, down the street, the multiplex is Fast and Furious. But we're drawing these crowds for a small, quiet, little East Coast movie about a painter. But I do know the whole story behind it of how it didn't actually shoot here because of the the tax stuff. The tax the incentives. tax credit that yeah. the liberals cut in their infinite wisdom. It's, just, it's a very interesting thing for anywhere because you can kind of see the logic of somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about going, why do they get the tax break? But I know I just randomly listened to another podcast and they were talking with the Farrelly brothers and they shot a bunch of stuff down in Atlanta, their last couple movies. And they said they did that because Dumb and Dumber 2 didn't have a humongous budget. And if they shot it in Los Angeles, it would be a $20 million movie. But by shooting it in Atlanta, it was a $20 million movie that felt like a $32 million movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do, I do. it's the funny thing. of I, When I was in Vancouver for film school, they shot right around the corner from my school Rumble in the Bronx starring Jackie Chan oh, wow and that's a long line of a they shot the movie in the wrong place because it was cheaper and if you watch Rumble in the Bronx you're like ah the beautiful mountains of Manhattan a lot of like <laughs> isn't there like a lot of President's Choice or like Royal Crown or like there's a lot of like Canadian brands in the yeah in the convenience store that is part of the plot but yeah and it, it's a rarity but I always like it when a movie just says we're in Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, telling Canadian stories is so important. Yeah. Um, and this year, out of Nova Scotia again, the movie Weirdos coming out, I feel yeah. like was really important. Yeah. Um, that sort of mirror view of going down the road, which was another significant Nova Scotian story that came out decades ago. Um, but it was sort of the opposite. It's going back to back up to Cape Breton. Yeah. Uh, and a young man and his uh, his friend figuring out their lives so yeah. and is, I think that's on our exciting stuff happening yeah I think that one's circling us I think we're gonna get that sooner or later that's awesome and we do we do well with which is very nice because you know if Madi had played for a week and nobody came that would have been the end of it but we we program weekly so we were able to get it for a second week get it for a third week mm-hmm. and it's from a selfish businessman point of view you're like yeah people kept coming. Someone just asked, it's, you know, silly questions online, but someone was like, why do you guys keep on showing The Room? We show The Room once a month. We're like, we show it because people keep coming to The Room. Capacity, man. People yeah. People are buying tickets. And it's like, we always joke where we're, we're like, oh, we wish we could stop playing The Room, but we can't. And <laughs> now we're on the verge of this December will be our 100th month screening Weird. The Room. When wow. does The Disaster Artist come out? So, everybody, like, people are all over us. Like, we have some power over this, but... Always asking us about when's it coming out, was it? But it just got bought, like it got picked up. It was Lionsgate, if I remember correctly, but I could be wrong. They're looking to release it for award season, which is insane. <laughs> and but it might be this generation's Ed Wood because Ed Wood was not a humongous financial hit, but it won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor, and I think was nominated for at least a couple more. I feel like it was a Best Picture and Best Director nominee. I could be wrong. Yeah, and I think it's maybe like like Daddy. yeah, screenplay. I think yeah. so. You know, I like Disaster Artist, everybody is praised, all the festivals that have had it. So that's a dream scenario, right? Because then you get Tommy Wiseau and what's the other guy, Greg Sestero. Greg Sestero, On yeah. the circuit. Yes. Doing interviews for months. Yeah. So that, for me, would be very exciting well, to watch. And it's like, you know, we have our audience, say like 50 to 100 people who come every once a month on a Saturday late, late show. 
but there's all kinds of people who have never heard of it. Right. And you always kind of forget when you're in the world, you know, like when, when you work in a comic store and your favorite thing and somebody's never heard of it. And you're always like, why haven't you heard of that? That's the best thing or that's a big thing. And it's like that with The Room. There's still people who don't know what The Room is. It's because it came out at a time when you still had to work to find things, yes. I feel like. When did you guys first see that movie? I'm curious of everyone's stories. So I saw... So we... What's the math on 93 months? So like 93 months ago... So say maybe like 96 months ago, went into the office at the Mayfair. And I think that's like eight years or seven years. And the Mayfair is not... Like, so it was pretty early in our run of taking over the place. And Lee showed me the trailer, like, on YouTube. And I was like, what is this? Like, and when you when you don't know anything about it, it's just bizarre. And he's like, it's this cult movie, and it's gaining a lot of ground and getting a lot of press, and I think we could try it out. And little did we know. And I keep on wishing, you know, when you have someone else to do the work for you, I want somebody to find out the world record of the room. <laughs> but I don't think anybody is near to us. Because this year we will get to screening 100 but Greg and Tommy have both visited, and when they did, we did it like a couple nights in a row, two nights. So we're we're more we'll be more than a hundred. We'll be at like, you know, a hundred and eight or something by the time twenty seventeen comes to a close. Very impressive. So that's that's when I first heard about it was this weird movie we might be able to book before right. the phenomenon happened. Right. I think I had heard about it online sort of discussed as one of those, you know, so bad it's good right. movies up there with you know, like Troll 2 and that sort of thing. There was a, a comedy group called Picnic Face who were very well, oh, yeah. well known for a time here in Halifax. We screened and their movie Across too. Canada, yeah. like super talented, funny people. And a few of them used to host uh, comedy nights at this place called Jokers that was on Spring Garden. You would descend into this weird dungeon of a bar and there would be uh, nights where they would do sketch comedy. But then I think this was one of the guys just hosting this as a movie night. And how completely unprepared I was for the movie right. <laughs> was a feeling that I don't think I've had since then for just being completely overwhelmed for yeah. whatever you want to describe it as. But it is a, a lot. And then after the movie, someone phoned Tommy Wiseau <laughs> because they had his phone number because they had helped write his Wikipedia article and they left him a message. Wow. It was very memorable. Yeah. It, it, the, the tension in the room when it was ringing and then going to voice, voicemail and, hey, it's Tommy. It was yeah. pretty intense. <laughs> so uh, it, was, it was really fun. I like that memory. Have you seen it, Dave? Oh, yeah, I've seen it. The first time I saw it would have been about seven or eight years ago. My friend Ian Fraser, who owns a really great record shop in here in town called Obsolete Records, that you should check out. Yeah. Here, since you're here for a few more days. Yeah. He's over on Agricola. Uh, he was like, you gotta watch this crazy movie, The Room, you can check it out. And I think I watched about a half hour, and I was like... Eh. Oh, you just watched it, like, at home? No, no this was at his place. Okay, like, yeah. Like, come on, pop open a beer, we're gonna watch this. And yeah. I was like, nah, life's too short, I'm going home. <laughs> yeah. And then, I don't know why I came back to it. Like, uh... I don't know, but and it, like my girlfriend now, my wife, uh, but she got interested in it, so we decided to watch it and kind of became briefly obsessed with it. And we got the Disaster Artist the book, and mm. we both read it. Like it's a great read, really yeah. fun read. And uh, I, you know, I saw it. There was like the sixteen-bit video game that somebody created. Have oh you seen yeah, that? yes, it's pretty fun. <laughs> so I, uh, you know, kind of dove into that, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I listen to the the I really like audiobooks, especially when the writer reads it. And so I listened to that, and it's... I've told people, like, even if you don't know anything about the movie, it's an amazing story. And mm. nowadays, it used to be that ghostwriters were ghostwriters. But now I think... I don't know if something happened in, like, the writer union, but now 
they always you, you see like you know a, a baseball player writes a book there's always a subtitle so there's a, whoever co-wrote the book with Greg I think did a great job of I think Greg told a cool story and he really formed it into this truth stranger than fiction tale and the disaster artist movie has had this weird thing of it started and it was called the disaster artist and then they switched it to call it it was like called the master or something like that for a little while yeah it's a very kind of generic title and then i think now it's back to being disaster artist you're right yeah and being in the in the tornado of tommy he said if we screen this movie we can never show the room again and i think he did that to a few other theaters bless franco in his genius I think kind of tricked Tommy and said, no, this is a, a tribute. Come to the set. And I saw, I think it was at SXSW, Tommy was there for like a standing ovation. So it was a brilliant move of just saying like, no, we're not making fun of you. We're just telling this story. And I think it worked. And so now Tommy's on board. And so I think now, because it's just like, Tommy, if anything, this is going to sell you more t-shirts and sell, get you more interviews. And you know, Rolling Stone is going to write an article about it, and Entertainment Weekly will write about it. And He's still so mysterious. Mm-hmm. Well, people have asked me if it's real, and I am 99.5% sure that Tommy is real, or it's the greatest Andy Kaufman times 10 trick in the last 15 years. It's real. I it's mean, totally, I feel yeah. like, you know, when you see things that are kind of, like, intentionally made to be, like, so bad it's good, quote-unquote, like, yeah. you can spot it coming a mile away. Oh, yeah. And... I don't know. There's just an authenticity to the weirdness of that movie that I don't think you can fake. Yeah, agreed. I'm, I'm really glad to hear that the disaster is apparently good because I was kind of dreading it for a long time. Yeah. Like, I thought, like, the Franco casting, like, okay, direct it, fine. Him casting it, I thought, is going to just be, like, really hard to uh, to look past. Like, right. I, for a long time, I thought, like, the only person who can play that part is Tommy Wiseau. Like, right, he's got yeah. to play himself. But I'm really relieved to hear that it's good, and I'm very excited to see it. So, yeah, we might get Tommy to swing back around to Ottawa in... Hopefully December. It's all it's all a lot of maybes. People keep on asking us, and we're like, we genuinely don't know. We're trying to do something cool, but man, yeah, I'm looking forward to that movie. I think that movie's gonna be something else. And uh, rumor has it the Mayfair is in the movie, and I oh, don't wow. know what capacity. But what I'm I'm speculating that you know at the end of bios where some title cards come up, I think we might be there of a title card saying, I hope our name actually gets in there. A theater in Canada has screened the room a hundred months in a row. Canada. Yeah, so that would be amazing. So, and but there's also been some footage in there. So somebody said there might be footage in there too of him on stage at the Mayfair, which is a. That's why I believe he's real because I've seen him do a Q and A, and he does this amazing thing where he's really great to the fans. He'll sign till dawn, and he'll throw footballs with people. And but someone will ask a question, and not trying to be a jerk, and just ask a question about the film and if he doesn't like it it kind of goes over his head and then he takes a question he likes if someone is a jerk and just says this movie's horrible he just kind of goes like oh you you're being silly and just the crowd boos the guy in the crowd and it kind of goes on from there but yeah it's he's he's real and he's only done like the room came out like 13 years ago and there has not been much more output from him neighbors show the neighbors show yeah he had a web series that where he played video games against an alien for a while. Did he have another trailer for another movie recently, too? I feel like I saw something. I forget the title, but he and Greg, crazily, because I thought he and Greg were kind of broken up, mm-hmm. are in a new independent film that is kind of disaster artisty, but it's about, like, Greg goes to L.A. and meets a guy, and that's Tommy. And that's coming out soon. Like, for, through social media, I have found out that Greg told us that it's finished photography 
people ask us if we're getting it. I'm like, well, if there's any possibility, we'll get it. But we're not sure right now. But it's quite the... Yeah, like we screen our routine and we have one coming up. This, it'll be Saturday, May 27th, is we do three a month usually. And it's Rocky Horror, which has almost gone to a monthly thing for us. And we have a thing called the Shadow Cast, where it's like a live crowd with them in the room and then Saturday Night Cinema. And what that is, is we do it private, non-advertised, members only. So that's our kind of loophole. And we, it used to be 35 millimeter, but now we just screen some out of distribution, grindhouse, weird movie that you'll never get to see anywhere else. And now with Blu-rays and stuff, we could even show that and it looks pretty decent. And that's been garnering more attendance for us, which is fun, where people will just come and not know what it is and usually stay and stick around for the free movie. So that's one of our midnight movies that we do at the Mayfair on a, on a monthly basis. Yeah, so this month, chat briefly about what we have this month. Let's just bring it up on the computer here. So one of the things we're doing, which, Lauren, you said it, it came through town already, mm-hmm. was Shadows of Paradise, which is a David Lynch documentary, which looks as weird as a David Lynch movie. And David Lynch, you know, we never want to advertise television, but... Twin Peaks is on right now. Heck yes. We all know Twin Peaks is on right now. So we just screened last weekend Firewalk With Me. I think it's... I don't know if it's a great movie. I can't judge it. It's a, it's a good chapter to Twin Peaks, kind of. But I think if you just watched it, it would be weird. Like, if you just watched it as a movie, if you didn't know anything about Twin Peaks. But we screened that last weekend. And then by happenstance now, we have this David Lynch documentary coming up about transcendental meditation and David Lynch being David Lynch and traveling around and going to these groups. And it's funny because we just did a, another documentary that was just about him being like a painter. And it was just him talking about his childhood and stuff. And it was just like old David Lynch painting and being cool. Talking about being an Eagle Scout back in the day. Yeah. And there's a shot of him smoking a cigarette and like drinking Coke. And it was like, I made it this long, but I think I want to start smoking. So it'll be cool <laughs> like David Lynch. Like he just, he looked, he had the hair. He just looked so great. And that would make a good Coke ad too. Man. Do you remember his website? He used to do the weather report every day. Yeah. That was the best. He's like, he's so weird, but not in like a pretentious, offensive way, I don't find. Like he's genuine in his artistry. And we watched the first two episodes of Twin Peaks. We don't have cable back home. So while we're, while I'm staying with the in-laws, we're like, oh, at least get to watch the first two episodes. Yeah, I saw the first episode and then I went to bed because... It was scary. <laughs> it was. I really liked it. That was a good solution at the time. Uh, it was good, yeah. And it's a rarity because usually TV will share directors so you can kind of keep ahead of it. Director number seven is in post-production and number eight is directing kind of thing. But he's doing the whole thing and that's why it took so long is because he's directing 18 hour-long episodes, I think it is. Hmm. I forget what happened uh, when they were filming that because he left briefly, right? There was some trouble with like, the TV with, studio, with I think. With money. Yeah. Uh, like I don't know. He was asking for more or, or whatever happened. But I remember he had left but then came back. But that was very dramatic. All the stars were making videos and putting them yeah. on Twitter saying, come back, David. I remember there was like the... And it's, it's, it's social media is how things work now. So it's like he went on social media and was like, I've left the show. And then showcase Showtime came back and we're like, no, we're going to figure it out. Yeah. So that's how the world works now, is in social media bursts of... Yep, bursts of rage. <laughs> bursts of rage. And Get stuff done. If, if I was running, if I was helping run the Mayfair Theater 20 years ago, it would be so different, because I wake up every day, and do you do social media for the store, for the for the Strange Adventures? Well, Cal and I both do it, and JJ does the Dartmouth uh, Instagram. Okay. But, yeah. uh, but I, I do a lot of like the Twitter and Facebook throughout the run of a day. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, Cal and I kind of split it up. So. Yeah. 
Like, I wake up... Cal's the owner. Cal's the owner of, yeah. of the greatest comic store in the land. Yeah, I wake up every day and do a little routine of, here's what's on at 4, here's what's on at 7, here's what's on at 9. Go and, you know, retweet a couple of fun movie things, answer a bunch of questions. And, like, that's my morning. That's what I do now. And then when Lee finishes the program every week, he sends it to me, and I kind of slap it together in a little thing and send that off. And But then it's like, I got to put it up on Twitter, put it up on Facebook, put it up on our website. And it's different because there's no we don't advertise in newspapers or radio or anything but it's all there it's on social media and actually it was listening to one of your podcasts recently dave about like the controversy of i think we just heard a ghost in the kitchen definitely oh no super haunted like when when something happens in comics and people get angry and it's always like the loudest voice like 95 percent of comic fans could just be like oh yeah that was a plot twist but then people freak out because they think captain america is a nazi now Mm -hmm. and I listened to your podcast about it, and I read the the comic way way after that. But if I would have been going in blind, I would have been like, "Well, that's clearly a plot twist. That's clearly going to be resolved in a few months." Yeah, because that's how fiction works. <laughs> yeah, I got so angry at people who were like, "Captain America's a Nazi." It was like, "Well, no. Like, it could uh, me as someone who's not writing the book and think of ten things it might be." Yeah, it's it's a it's a clone. It's a it's a a life model decoy. Yeah, it's, it's a brainwashing. It's a superhero universe. Anything can happen. It was funny because when we were up at East Coast Comic Expo this weekend, it came up in conversation a few times. The Franken Castle story. Yes. That Tony Moore did the art for, where the Punisher. I forgot he did that. Yeah. And Lauren, you've probably never heard of this storyline. Oh, doorbell. But uh, the Punisher got turned into a Frankenstein. Yes. And people were pissed. <laughs> like the writer got death threats. You know, and it's yeah. like, really, <laughs> over this? And of course, you know. Within a year, it was undone. Like, it was just a storyline, and it came to a conclusion. Yeah. No harm, no foul. Yeah. But, you know, in that little span of months, people are just up in arms. I mean, the thing is, I and I think I probably mentioned this on our podcast. Probably, yeah. <laughs> this is all, almost all of it is online. Like, yeah. in the store, it's business as usual. Like, oh, yeah. The people that freak out are generally the people that just have their faces stuck onto their phone or laptop all the time, so. Yeah, and any time, it doesn't happen too often, but, like, something offends everybody. Yeah. Or someone. And I'll always remember, we screen the Oscars on the big screen every year. Mm -hmm. Super fun. And after, what is it, Uh, Birdman won, a woman walked by me, just angry. I was like, well, I didn't like that movie at all. Like, it was my fault. And and I was kind of like, well, and I didn't mean to be flippant, but I was like, well, somebody liked it, you know, but she was angry. I was like, well, it's okay not to like it, but somebody else did. Somebody else thought it was cool. Mm -hmm. And we we had someone come in and complain, and the quote was, we were showing too many vampire movies. And does that mean? Yeah, and and she was, I'm pretty sure she won't be listening to the podcast, so I don't think I'll I'll, I'll get libel out of this, but she, she looked like, like the old lady from Gremlins who just wanted to like kill the dog you know like she looked Mrs. Deagle yeah it was her it might have been her and I, I couldn't help but be like well do you, do you mean just like horror movies because yeah sure sometimes but and that week by happenstance I was like but this week we're showing this like period piece and a documentary about bees and a Disney movie so they're not all vampire movies yeah sometimes people just like and especially the internet just like to be angry mm-hmm. but yeah, it's... It makes it not a fun place to be. I know, yeah. Because, like, at its best, it's it's fun to have, have like, interaction. And, <clears throat> and sometimes on Twitter, it's really good for independent films. We'll show an independent film, and the filmmaker or the distribution company goes out of their way. Kevin Smith, who I admit I am not a great fan of as a filmmaker, 
but I do like him just kind of as a nerd. And when we were screening his last couple movies, he was like, and not just like a chain or not like a cut and paste, but he was like, you know, Tusk is premiering in our nation's capital tonight. Everyone go to the Mayfair. He, uh, he actually plugged our screening of Clerks we did at Carbon Arc years ago and commented in the Facebook event. Yeah. It was delightful. So, and cool. can you imagine if, like, I don't know what the Kevin Smith equivalent would have been. Like, you know, say if we had screened Do the Right Thing back in the day, I don't think Spike Lee would have sent a letter. You know, I don't know. Like, there, wouldn't, there isn't that equivalent. But now, so that's a, a nice thing about social media is that interaction. And I always, even though it's the smallest thing, last year, Mark Hamill retweeted or gave a thumbs up on Twitter to something I said. And then I commented on that, that like, holy cow, Mark Hamill just did this. And he liked that as well. And it just made my day because I just imagine I was like, is he on the set? Is he like drinking coffee while Star Wars things are happening? <laughs> and that little connection you could have with your nerd celebrities or with whoever. And it's so easy, just a second out of their day. So that's a nice thing about it. Totally. Try explaining that to the five-year-old version of yourself. Yes. One day, <laughs> yeah. Mark Hamill will like something you say. Yeah. Not in real life. Not in real life. On a computer. Computer somewhere. That everyone can read. Yeah. Anywhere. It's, yeah. It's nuts. Yeah. Like, are we all going to be in Tron? <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Are we in the future? <laughs> or like on your show, on Living Between Wednesdays, were you guys fans with J-Bone and then friends? I've actually known him since about 2004. Okay. So, and Rochelle has known him, like, because Rochelle used to work at Strange Adventures, too, and I think she met him. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, so we knew him, but actually, those two have become, like, besties ever since. Like, he just liked the show and stayed in touch with her, and they're, like, I mean, we're all friends, but those two are, like, you know, she goes to Toronto, and they hang out constantly. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like, there's stuff like that that can happen out of social media, of, like, meeting somebody like that. At ECCE, at a, a Moncton Comic Con that we were at last weekend, Tony Moore, who you forget is like a nerd celebrity because he's just a nice guy, he had a dream to ride the lobster in, in Moncton. And he made it happen. And he wrote it. And I just made a comment that I was so proud to have been in the room when, when the, the plans were scheming for this to happen. I always forget. I'll get like, you know, I'll put a picture on Instagram and like, hey, 20 people like it. And then like Nick puts up a drawing they did of Rocket Raccoon and like 8,000 people like it. I'm like, oh yeah, my friend is nerd famous. <laughs> and he's kind of, yeah, there's a different scale, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the other... There was another... Was it Werewolf? A Halifax movie? Or was that a Cape Halifax Breton? movie? Uh, Cape Breton. Cape Breton yeah, movie, so, yeah. Uh, actually, I'm just trying to think of other movies that are no, coming totally. to us or we have just screened recently. So that's actually doing a tour like internationally of many, many different film festivals. Yeah. Uh, it's shot by Ashley McKenzie from Cape Breton, produced by another Cape Bretoner, and it's all starring people from where it's shot up in that area and it, it tells a, a bleak but like important yeah. story about uh, young people struggling to get through a few days in their life which yeah. is uncomfortable and at times beautiful and a raw and sort of I don't know a, you can't look away from it even right. though you might want to at times yeah Ashley's made a quite a few uh, a, really nice short films if you look her up I think a couple might be available online I know she's done some stuff with like telefilm and folks like that over the yeah. years so definitely a name to watch for if you're looking at like young female directors in Canada Ashley's gonna have a really cool career I think and I admit the nerd in me immediately thought it was actually <laughs> an east coast werewolf movie right <laughs> it's like that was like oh it's an east coast because 
you know, this genre that comes out of here. Like, totally. Well, it's shot, you know, not too, too far away from where My Bloody Valentine's from. Right. Classic yeah, yeah. Uh, slasher film. I don't know if there's an East Coast vampire, or sorry, werewolf movie, but there should be. There should be. Yeah. yeah, I can't think of any. I mean, you know, the only Canadian werewolf movie I can think of is Ginger Snaps. Ginger Snaps 2. I really like the Ginger Snaps trilogy. I've never seen any of the sequels. The oh, really? second one's really good. The third one is okay. I, it, it's an interesting trilogy because the first one is clearly... A teenage horror movie, a girl going through changes, adulthood with the werewolf <laughs> metaphor, kind of. And then the second one kind of becomes like a ghost story. And then the third one, kind of inexplicably, but they just zap back and it's like a pioneer story. Yep. But with werewolves. Hmm. But the same actors. No, isn't it? Oh, no, it is. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm you're shaking sh- your I'm head. I'm shaking my head at the premise. Yeah, it's a weird... Don't go back in time. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, that was... An... Someone was just... We were talking about stuff that makes you feel old. And I was like, everything makes me feel old right now just because everything's hitting like anniversaries. Oh, yeah. And I think Ginger Snaps might be at like 20. Is it at 20? No, 15 maybe? Man, 15 it, seems more like... It's yeah. 99 to 2001, I'm going to guess. Yeah, but we're, we're, it came up because I was saying how, you know, when I was born, Star Trek was on reruns on Sunday mornings on CBC. And now it's still around and Next Generation is about to hit its 30th anniversary. And that's what made me... I was like, oh my god, really? That's that's very old. Ginger Snaps 2000. 2000. So, 17 so, years. Man. The, the Blair Witch anniversary was a bit crazy for yeah. me. Yeah. Because that was one of the first movies I remember getting really hyped to see as a teenager. I was like 14, I think, when that movie came out. The sequel, when it came out, there's a lot of nice nostalgia that came around with that. But then the movie was so terrible... That I wish I had never seen it. Which one? The recent one? Yeah. Yeah. Not, I, not I did Book see of that. Shadows. Not Book of Shadows. Although yeah. Book Shadows time. wasn't very good either. And that no. was also not a great movie. No. I had my sweet, sweet husband bought me tickets to see that movie in one of the shaky chairs. Do you oh, yes. Those, the D box seats or whatever they're called. It was so bad. <laughs> I, I said we can do it at the Mayfair, but you just give me an extra five bucks and I'll come to the chair. Come back, kick your chair. And like kick it while. and like throw You'll some. Boo in your ear. Yeah, throw some water <laughs> on you for like a water scene or something like that. This really unpleasant. Pleasant. I've done that a few times now, and I can't say that it's ever been a great experience, and it's real expensive. It's weird. It's the the multiplexes are looking for ways to draw people in, whereas a place like the Mayfair, you just come to see the movie. That's what you're coming to do. So they're shaking your chair, and they're... Like, 3D was the big thing that is still kind of clinging to... I'm glad that that's sort of dissipating a bit now. It's nice yeah. to look at a list of movies screening and know that you're not going to have to pay the extra four or five bucks for something that doesn't even have it as an enhancement. Yes. It just feels like it's there, so it's there. Yeah. Like, one of the things I'm so grateful for with the last, I guess, all the Fast and the Furious movies, yeah. they're not 3D. <laughs> right. Yeah. Actually, go and buy a regular ass ticket to. Well, I got angry because it was it was something. It was... I always defend it by saying I use my visa points so I don't cheat on the Mayfair because I'm not paying anybody for it. But a couple times a year I'll go see a Guardians of the Galaxy or a Thor or something that I don't think we might get at the Mayfair. And I remember going to see a couple of those Marvel movies that I love, but the 3D is clearly not there. And this was years ago. It might have been like Thor Part 1. And I brought my mom for like Mother's Day or something for like a geeky Mother's Day. And the only thing in the whole movie was like once he throws Mjolnir at you. And you actually got a bit of a, like a, oh, like back in your seat. That was it. Like a two-hour movie, the extra money paid was for a 15-second hammer thrown at your face. And then sometimes the end credits look 3D. And it's like, no, that's not storytelling. This isn't like sound or color. Like It's a trick. Yeah. To get your money. 
And so hope, I, yeah, it seems to be calming down. But now I notice it's like they're forcing you. Like it'll be if it's a big, big multiplex, it'll be like one screen with two D. And it's at three fifteen. Yeah. You're like you jerks. Yeah, and that's your only choice. I think Cameron's probably ramping up to intensify it all over again with like, what is he threatening? Like four sequels to too Avatar many. Now? I don't. And they've been threatened for so long now. It's but, been so many years. But that theme park is happening. Like, I was somewhere the other day, and I looked up on the... There was, like, a TV screen, and there was, like, a uh, a family looking at, like, space dragons flying by. And I was like, oh, this is probably, like, a car commercial or something. Nothing to do with space dragons. And it was for Avatar Land or Pandora at Disney World. I'm like... Yeah. Honestly, who cares? Like, In, in my mind, I can't movie. picture a four-year-old... Being like, let's go to the Avatar yeah, like, thing and knowing what Avatar is. Yeah, Maybe I'm, if it has cool rides or whatever, but... I'm still baffled by the fact that that's like the most successful movie of all time because I don't know anybody that's a fan of it or like that's like obsessed with, you know, like everybody knows people who like have Star Trek or Star Wars toys or Marvel, whatever, like on their desktop at work or whatever. Who's got like, who's wearing Avatar t-shirts or like, you know, dressing up as them for Halloween? But everyone saw it. I guess that's the guess, thing, but right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that I I know I saw it. I saw it. Yeah. I saw it once. I've yeah, seen a lot of it. other movies like multiple times. Yeah. But I don't know. It just baffles me. And I was talking about the exact same thing a few weeks ago on the podcast. And like Dave, you're 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 a professional geek. You work in a store. You in in all of your time, has anyone come in and been like, "Do you have an Avatar action figure? Do you have it like?" And not that I can recall. And I say, like, I could be wrong, but you walk into any store or Toys R Us, and you will find right now Planet of the Apes merch, Star Trek merch, Muppets, you know, Star Wars, of course. Mm-hmm. I don't remember anybody ever in all of my, all the comic cons I've been to, all the stores I've been to, anyone being like, oh, I just read the Avatar novelization, or, or I'm looking really forward to it. Nonetheless... People are sheep, and I think it'll still make a billion dollars because well, it's like nobody likes Transformers, but they keep on making money. Mm-hmm. And the thing with Avatar was it was billed as this visual experience. You're yes. going to see a movie that there no other movie has had looked like this before. Yeah. And I do remember that sort of spectacle side of it of the animation in the 3D, and it was pretty cool. Yeah. But then after a while, it just starts being Fern Gully, and you're like, cool, yeah. cool, this is what this is. It's great. You know, it's fine. Definitely worth the ten bucks or whatever paid to see it. But in terms of a universe and the story that it's telling, I don't understand. No, and I'm just so sad that James Cameron is. You know, to be kind of morbid about it, he's I don't know, sixty years old, and he's going to spend the next ten years of his career doing four Avatar movies. And like, what's with guys like that? You know, I think of Ridley Scott. Why are yes. you doing these alien movies? It's a very interesting Why? phenomenon. Trigger warning to Dave. <sighs> yeah. <Sorry. laughs> it's all right. I've been dealing with it a lot with the release of Covenant, so. Yeah. Because, like, you look at whether it be, you know, Harrison Ford returning to Star Wars, uh, Bruce Campbell returning to Evil Dead. There seems to be people will get to a certain age and kind of go, ah, let's give them what they want. Yeah. And, but, like, you know, Ridley Scott coming back for one alien movie, I'd be like, okay, sure. But that, like, he said the same thing. Like, oh, I got six of them or whatever. But it's money, right? If it keeps making money, that is the only factor, I guess. But it was a full theater when I saw it last week. It was sort of unexpected. Yeah. Uh, there, 
I don't know how it is uh, where you guys are, but I've you noticed trends with audiences right. that there's less and less people, you know, going to the big Friday night showings compared to how they used to be. It's not like you have a lineup at the door for yeah. stuff. So I'll go end up going late to see Alien Covenant and go in. I'm like, there's so many people here. And right. then your hopes start to rise and you're feeling all these expectations. Maybe it's actually good. It was so terrible. <laughs> yeah. It was really, really, really bad. And I, I always, didn't even want to talk about it after. Yeah. And people always will say, like, I haven't seen it yet, but people always say, like, oh, the popcorn movie, the whatever, in defense of your... But then it has to be fun. Yes. and But there's been so many movies lately that prove that you could be big, mostly Marvel-related for me, but you could be big and fun and good. Mm-hmm. And make money. Because, like, Guardians of the Galaxy I really liked. Yeah. And it made money. And so the powers that be are happy with it. The fans are happy with it. Yeah, it's a weird time we're in right now. Like, you know, sequels are nothing new. There's always been sequels and remakes and reimaginings. But right now it seems like just really going for... Like, I always remember Sam Raimi saying, we really didn't have a plan. Like, Spider-Man was Spider-Man. That had a beginning, middle, and an end. When it made money, then we did sequel. But now people are just jumping in and being like, oh, no, we're doing 12 of these. What have you wrong? Yeah, like, they just announced that they're doing, like, they're rebooting Resident Evil as a six film franchise or something like they're already like six wow. movies out the gate like, haven't even made the first one I don't even think as a director yet you know like it's mental I like it when that goes wrong and it, it hasn't happened a ton but I remember Lost in Space at the end basically had a cliffhanger and Lost in Space will return and it didn't return this may be a controversial <laughs> statement and I haven't watched it in a long time but yeah. I remember enjoying that movie yeah I, I remember it wasn't horrible but I remember just having a sense of like oh I wish it had wrapped up you know, like, but it's, I think it was right at the beginning of that kind of franchise land. Of, yeah. Yeah. It was like 97. Oh my God. The movie's, that, that movie's 20, 20 years, years old. old. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, like I remember watching it like at the time space was showing the original Lost in Space all the time. And I remember thinking like, this is pretty similarly goofy. <laughs> like, it's not like the original was like this classic show, like classic sci-fi. Like it's a ridiculous show. Yeah. Consequently, kind of a ridiculous movie, but yeah, I had fun. They're making a Netflix series out of that now too. Weird. Yeah. It's weird times we are in. But you know, like it's weird because I was saying that uh, to somebody recently that, you know, I, I grew up in the 80s as we all did in various degrees. Well, yeah. We cover most of the 80s. Yeah. 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 And you know, like it's a decade that has been really fetishized so much, yeah. but it's also like, that was a decade of people constantly trying to find the next thing. You know, it was like, oh, Star Wars is it. Well, then we're going to try Buckaroo Banzai. We're going to try, you know, Ice yeah. Pirates. We're going to try Dreamscape. Like, all these crazy movies. They were just, like, constantly firing out these new things. And now we're just in a period of, like, well, what can we remake now? What can we yeah. reboot? What can we, you know, Legacy Goal or whatever the next thing is. So it's kind of sad. I don't know. Kids today just having our leftovers fed to them constantly, basically. And, like, the amount of movies we love that were were flops back in the day mm-hmm. or not if not flops like not huge hits but poor old Jim Henson like I'm pretty sure Labyrinth was a flop Dark Crystal was a flop and then you know George Lucas with Willow that didn't do well enough to garner a sequel and then all these other movies that are kind of you kind of forget but there was like Dragon Slayer and Krull and Lady Hawk and no one forgets Krull yeah and and this giant pile of movies that didn't have sequels didn't and you know man i wish buckaroo bonds i had six movies but i'm so sad you just showed me to that last year and at the end of it doesn't it say they will be back yeah against the world crime league which we never got it's so good one day 
Yeah, there's a lot. Of, I don't know as many you know as many of those movies that are great. There's a lot of interesting failures. Like I just bought the uh, Shout Factory Blu-ray of Streets of Fire, which was intended to be a trilogy. Yeah, and the yeah, first yeah. one bombed, so there's never any more. But that's a super fun, it's super a crazy, great movie. super amazing soundtrack. Movie. Yeah, yeah, it's I love it, and uh, you know it's not nearly I've, as much as you know. I love like Back to the Future. I've seen it millions and millions of times. This one yeah. is one that I'm relatively new to. I've only seen it like three or four times, so it's always nice to embrace new old favorites yeah that makes any sense no, yeah totally and I realize it's nostalgia but I was right in the wheelhouse of like Goonies Gremlins Monster Squad I was like the perfect age yep. for those movies same here there is stuff like that every once in a while now but it's like can you imagine a movie like Monster Squad or Goonies where like kids are smoking and swearing and looking at Playboys <laughs> like that well that's why I'm hoping for uh, the new It adaptation yeah it's kind of made you feel that that's great. a little bit yeah I'm very excited for that uh, what else are we so we're going to be wrapping up soonish so let's what did we say we mentioned that we're playing Jumanji which is our monthly kids club movie we do a free for kids they buy an annual membership and we play in the past we played Peewee's Big Adventure and Land Before Time and all kinds of cool stuff like that and sometimes it draws a crowd which is nice because people always ask for old movies but they don't come to old movies mm-hmm. so it's always like come and then we'll play more of this Jumanji's a great one yeah and, absolutely and, terrifying yeah, and it's it's by Joe Johnson, who did Rocketeer, which is amazing. Right. The first Captain America movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Love it. And designed Boba Fett and the Iron Giant. I did not know that. So he knew he designed Boba Fett. I didn't know he designed the Iron Giant. Yeah, I only learned that recently looking, writing up about him. But yeah, so he's awesome. Like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah, he's, he's a really good like journeyman director who has done a couple of really cool things. Yeah, like he's done a lot of storyboards for, I think, all the original Star Wars I think movies, so, yeah. Too? Like, probably for... Raiders as well. Like a big Lucasfilm guy for sure. Yeah. So yeah, we have Jumanji coming up, which, speaking of, will be a sequel reboot soon. Oh, no way. Dwayne you didn't know Johnson this? No. Yeah. I'm out of the pop culture loop now. Yeah. The Rock is playing Robin Williams, okay. <laughs> essentially. Of course. Okay. But I heard, I heard it's, it's it's a new, it's like a sequel, or it's like a next generation. It's like not a remake per Man. se. I hope they get the tone right. I said before it was terrifying. It's also hilarious. And yeah. also very painful. The, yes. The journey the characters go through <laughs> yeah, in the yeah, films yeah. are uh, so dark. I like dark kids movies. Yeah. The sissy modern day movies. Well, you get Stranger Things, which is trapping kids in other dimensions with creepy stuff. At least there's that modern kids. Mm-hmm. And then what do we have? We have Lost City. I'm going to say Zed, but it's probably Z, right? Lost City of Z, which is a cool-looking true story yeah, adventure stuff. That script has been around for a while on the blacklist or whatever it's called. Then we have A Quiet Passion, which is an Emily Dickinson movie, a biopic about her. And then I, Daniel Blake, which is from Ken Loach, and it's an everyman fighting the fighting the evil system uh, drama. And yeah, so that's what we have coming up this week. So that's May 26th to June 1st, if you're listening to this right away. Am I forgetting anything? No, yeah, so that's it. So that's what we have this week. So we have done our due of briefly talk about the movies while being just... That's our tradition. Just talk about other nerd movie things, but briefly get in a mention, and then mention our friends at House of Targ, because they're the fine fellows that I tricked into giving me some money. So they cover the cost of the the website fees and the uh, podcasting fees, and House of Targ is the coolest place right across the street from the Mayfair where you can go play video games and listen to some rock and or roll music. And yeah, so that's about it. We're going to wrap it up. Listen to Dave's podcast if you're a comic nerd. Or not. Or not. If you like Captain America. We like Superhunk. Rochelle reads a Superhunk every week. That's pretty much why I listen. I met Rochelle briefly at a big nerd party at ECCE. I just heard her voice. And it's the weird thing of I went up to them and I said hi to Dave and I was like, 
I thought I was hearing my friend, but I wasn't. I've just listened to dozens of your podcasts and my brain went, you know her. And especially in podcast land, it's weird because I know her kind of traits. I know the name of her kid. I know how she kind of teasingly acts with her husband, you know, like, but she doesn't know who I am. It, it's a podcast. Is a, it's, it's even different than like a talk show, you know, or, or like a writer you like. So yeah, even if you're not into certain things, you can listen to a podcast and if you just like the hosts, you can just listen to it. And I'm a bit behind on your podcast because I always try to avoid spoilers, but it's good because I just kind of started from the beginning mm-hmm. and I like it. So I'm just kind of, I don't know, I'm probably like six months behind, but it's good because like I can listen to you guys talk about Captain America and whatever else and you can just spoil the hell out of it and it's okay by me. Even, cool. even like I listen to you guys talk about like the DC Rebirth stuff, but a few months behind. Yeah, that's like almost exactly a year ago now, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, so check out that podcast. Lauren doesn't have any to plug. No, I'm just here <laughs> out of the goodness of my heart and uh, the availability of my living room. Yeah, she's just a cool East Coast geek. Hello. Uh, yeah, so thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, you guys, for joining me today. And uh, we'll be back next week, I think, with a normal podcast with those Ottawa dudes. I just want to throw oh. in, too, that uh, I am super jealous that, well, not that you have. It's your theater. Yes, I wish yes. we had something like that here. Oh, yeah. Uh, we need it. But apparently there's not enough people in this city. I don't know. Like, people have been trying to start a rep cinema here on and off for years, and it never really flies. And, it's been uh, like 20 years of uh, the Paradise Cinema stuff and Wormwoods. And Carbonark is doing a great job in the independent movie scene in Halifax and showing awesome movies. So if you don't know about them, look up Carbonark Cinema. They're on all the social medias and the websites. Yeah, I'm very appreciative that in Ottawa we have ourselves and our friends over at the Bytown. So Ottawa has two single-screen independent cinemas that are both doing okay and surviving. And I've traveled a bit in the last couple of years and been to cities like Boston and Chicago that I could be wrong, but I don't think have like that. And, and I've had people visit us... People road trip from Montreal when we have some really special event. And I'm like, how does Montreal not have a Mayfair? That blows my mind. Anytime people get down on, on our sleepy government town, I'm like, no, we're cool enough to do this. And so I'm very appreciative of it. Yeah, like, and, and it's very, I, I, it's very endearing. And I, and I do like it when out of town cinema fans are like, oh, I wish we had one of you here. And it would be nice. Every town needs the, the good old days where every small town had a movie theater. And you see those old pictures of like like a, like a really small town, like somewhere on the on the outskirts of Halifax or the outskirts of Ottawa, would still have a theater that people would go to. Oh, I miss I miss that. Like I'm, we're all too young for that, pretty much. Like we, cinema started dying in our lifetime, mm-hmm. but it's it's very nice that I can report that you know Mayfair's doing good, can always do better, but we're keeping open. So is the Bytown in Ottawa. So yeah, good so, job Ottawa. Someone someone come to Halifax and do that. Somebody do that here. Halifax deserves it. Oh man, yeah. If I played the lottery and I ever, if I did and I won, that would be like one of the first things I ever did to be to open a theater. I'm, I just wish we had a Mayfair here. That's all I'm saying. Totally. So yeah, any listeners, be thankful for what you got because we got nothing. Well, not. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys, yeah, you guys could come, uh, come visit us in Ottawa. Come see some movies. It's a good excuse. Come, come to the Comic Con. Come to yeah, Mayfair. I've never been to Ottawa. There you go. It's a good time to visit. Ten years. Okay, so uh, yeah, let's get out of here. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll be back next week with more Mayfair stuff. Thanks, David, Lauren. Thank Thanks. you. And I am pressing stop. On a distant planet, a great kingdom was ravaged by beings who came from the future to conquer the universe. Thank you.
survivors follow a doubtful seer and a throneless king. They will hold her in the Black Fortress. You must have help. Thieves, bandits, fighters and brawlers. Desperate men. Those are the kind of men I need. Well, you heard him. We are now an army. <laughs> At the end of an impossible journey, they must fight an invincible enemy. Here's the knowledge you seek. I shall be your king. In the fortress, you will face more than the slayers. What is about to happen to them could never have happened on Earth. Columbia Pictures presents a world apart from anything you have seen before. 